Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's features are Strays and The Uninvited. Sounds like my last two dates. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. See, that right there was just podcasting gold, and I didn't have the show started yet. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) You know the rest of the show is going to suck now, right? I know, it's all going to be downhill, just because I didn't hit record soon enough. There'll be like one funny comment later in the show, but it'll only be funny to the three of us because we're the only <laughs> one who are getting the callback. It'll be. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely callback to uh, something that happened before we hit record. Yeah. You know, listeners love that kind of stuff. They do. Now the awkward silence where we have nothing to talk about because <laughs> everything before this was just funny. See, this is what happens when you don't record every word you say at all times. Do you have any more important questions? Like, like where was Bob Marley born? Get on, get on Wikipedia. Well, the difference is we don't have a Bob Marley show coming up. We just get high and talk about something else. It's kind of a Bob Marley show. <laughs> All right, so I had... I had Elvis's birthday pulled up, and then I just typed in to, to be a smartass to Noah... Bob Marley. But now it says related to Bob Marley and Elvis Presley. So what I'm does like, Bob I'm how does Google. Bob Marley celebrate Elvis's birthday anyway? I've gotta know. There's no way he lets it pass. Uh Bob Marley was born on February sixth, by the way. All right. I don't know where he was born though. Uh Sussex, England? Really? Oh no, that's his dad. Good. <laughs> I was I was getting ready to say, man, that that feels real disappointing. <laughs> 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 like like they, they, Bob Barley's one of those people who's such a fucking like you view him as just this authentic person who kind of like did his fucking thing, and then you're like, oh no, complete big piece of shit. Fuck. Turns, out, <laughs> turns out Bob Marley's thing was like tea every day at four. <laughs> right. Warm beer. He was constantly bitching about how all of his concerts smelled like pot smoke. He's just so upset by it. I can't believe it. He's a real warmonger, too. I don't know if you guys knew that about him behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be like, what? what? What show am I listening to? <laughs> I figure if they're still downloading the show at this point, it's their own fault when they have to listen to that shit. Pretty much. Did Brian? 
Yes, one weird question. Elvis's birthday. Shit just goes completely awry. <laughs> uh, if uh, anybody else wants to know of any crazy uh, songsters' birthdays, uh, write us and let us know. We'll talk about it on the next show. Yeah, we'll do a whole section of it. This will become a regular part of the podcast. <laughs> good thing just... we, we picked these very serious, grounded movies to <laughs> bring us back down to Earth. Hey, one of them tries to be serious. It fails, but it's trying. <laughs> well, uh, Noah, why don't you tell us about Uninvited? Uh, so, Uninvited is... Uh, Jaws with a super mutant cat, <laughs> I guess. Kind like a, it's like a, a cat that they did something to it, some nondescript weird experiment shit, and now it can flip inside out. No, just like a, a mutant cat crawls cat? out the mouth of the real cat. Yeah, but, the yeah, but it turns clearly. Back. Does it crawl back in? Does it go yeah. find the cat and yeah. go back into that cat? I, I think so. Yeah. Is it just a cat <laughs> suit? Because I thought you had mentioned that it was inside out before, so the whole whole movie I was sitting there like, oh, so it literally is just turning inside out. But then the last time, it literally jumps out of the cat, runs and does some shit, then runs back to the cat body to go back in. Because you see the cat mouth open and a whole other cat head comes out it. Well, yeah, I know you see it like climbing out of the cat's mouth, but I, I always just kind of assumed that the cat kind of flipped inside out behind it. And so, like, that cat's mouth becomes its butthole, kind of? I don't think so. I think there's just, like, this, like, cat fur sitting there waiting to be mm-hmm. re-embodied. I think it's, it's not- like a, it's it's literally like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It literally <laughs> just comes out of it, leaves it there, runs off, pulls shenanigans, and then runs back and puts it back on again. Yeah. But I mean, basically... The real, the real problem with those scientists is that they didn't give it a zipper. That's what it's so upset about this whole thing. Right. Uh, so, so we've got Super Mutant Cat, it ends up on a boat, and on the boat we have, like, the worst Gilligan's Island version <laughs> ever, like, some sneaky girls who just want to ride around on a yacht and not have sex with the creepy mobster who owns the boat, because that's a good fucking idea, and... He's not a mobster, he works for Wall Street. And some, and some weird dudes that are there for a reason, I guess they're supposed to work on the boat, even though they don't know anything about boats... That's the guys. The, that's the guys they do want to have sex with. And then there's the the chick on the boat who actually does know quite a bit about the boat, but spends most of her time doing weird, sexy '80s aerobics. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was her doing aerobics. I think it was. It? it was one of the. It was one of the college girls. Yeah, air quotes around college girls because I don't know. They, they're all the fucking same. They honestly, they all do kind of look the same in this movie. <laughs> It's a real problem, and you stream it, and it's like the quality's not that good. Evil guy because he's got a mustache, pretty much. But uh, so something's going on. He's trying to get somewhere with a briefcase full of money, and in oh, they piss off the cat, and the cat starts killing everybody. <laughs> the cat's kind of a vigilante cat. It starts off by just killing the bad guys, but then when the good guys join up with the and bad guys, they become too. Causes you to get super blood cancer that makes you have too much blood and your veins explode? Is that is that what the fuck was going on? It gives you the super AIDS and then you die. It's it's not thoroughly explained, I think is the point you're trying to make. <laughs> so, 
So basically, for a movie that kind of has a cool ass monster in it, <laughs> this is a weird fucking movie. <laughs> it is not. It is. It is far less exciting than it, that description makes it sound. <laughs> I, think, I think the listeners need to understand how the movie starts. And the movie starts with two girls who have not booked a hotel room showing up to Fort Lauderdale on spring break, just hoping they'll find a place to stay. They meet up with this mobster guy who promises to take them to a party. Cut to the next day where everybody's talking about how good the party was that we didn't get to see as an audience. (laughs) Then, like, hard cut to these guys we've not seen yet in the movie sitting around drinking coffee, and the girls walk up to them and for literally the first 10 minutes they're, they're on screen together, I have no idea if those people know each other or not. I think they don't. I think they just randomly walked up to these guys at like a marina. And then they're just like, you guys want to come on this cruise that we're going to go on with a mobster? And they just assume it's okay to bring three extra people with them. <laughs> they get there and the mobster's like, no. And they're all surprised. They're all like, what? <laughs> okay, so you would fight two... You invite two people on your boat and like five aren't just allowed to show up. <laughs> but luckily the SEC is going to do issue a search warrant on their boat. So he ends up, they end up taking off and just bringing everybody with them just because they're running from the SEC. Does the SEC do search warrants on boats usually? I have no idea. I don't think they do. It doesn't seem right. Like it seems like if the SEC thinks you're committing criminal activity, they refer you to another yeah. organization. Yeah, the whole thing is yeah, there him, the the evil bad guy and his two henchmen played by Clue Gulliger and George Kennedy for apparently they had bills to pay. Apparently. <laughs> uh are going to go to the Caymans and once they get to the Caymans they can withdraw some money out of this bank. And then he keeps saying they'll be rich beyond anybody else's imagination. Yeah. So that's why they're on their way there. And then, yeah, the, the warrant thing, they're like, fuck, we got to go now. We don't even have time to throw these people off the boat. Like, we literally have to go now. <laughs> it's so the, weird. I love the big reveal that the, the wealth beyond imagination is like a million dollars. I can imagine way more money than that. No, but it's not, though, because they at one point they do imply that it's a million dollars, but he's got $3 million on the boat, and they're going to a bank to get more. So it's way more. Yeah. The, the, it's but it's very confusing because they say like numbers, but they don't mean those numbers. They're just <laughs> <laughs> like numbers matter, guys. If you say you have a million dollars, there better be a million dollars. But that's not how it works in this movie. I'll be a hundred percent honest. It was hard to follow the plot of this movie because I was too distracted by the fact that there was a crazy demon cat living inside the mouth of another cat. <laughs> like really, once they reveal that at the beginning of the movie. And once you know that there's a demon cat living inside the mouth of another cat, nothing else fucking matters. Like well, it, it feels like the classic scenario for a low-budget horror film where they're like, we got this demon cat. We don't really have much of a budget, but we have access to this boat. So we're just going to put the demon cat on the boat, and it's going to kill these people. Now, quick, somebody take 15 minutes out of your day and try to write the most convoluted script possible to get all these different characters on the boat so the cat has somebody to kill. And it's just like... It could have been so much simpler. Like, you could have just had like those three guys that come on board and serve as the crew could have just been the crew. There's no reason why you couldn't just have that a crew in your movie. 
and the two girls could have just shown up and he's like hey you can stay on my boat if you want and then they just get on like you don't need that 15 minute lead up other than as time for i think every people everything about it's weird is it is it just me or does this entire movie feel like uh the first half of jason takes manhattan with a (laughs) demon cat living inside of another cat's mouth yeah wrong right (laughs) like and i would argue about the same level of quality as jason takes manhattan so that's where we're at we're at about jason takes manhattan level of of quality maybe Slightly lower than that. <laughs> Emphasis on first half of Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, first, first Jason half. Takes Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was gonna say. Um, I will say this movie is not good. No. But you get some friends and some beer going. This movie is great. I can see that. <laughs> right. This is a. It's it's so hard to explain because it's it's awful. In, in a lot of ways, it's very fun to watch in some other ways, and a very bad horror movie in certain ways, and a pretty good horror movie in some other ways. Well, most of the stuff involving the cat is okay. Yeah, cat like, stuff's pretty good, gore stuff's pretty good. The gore is done pretty well. The, when there's, a, there's one moment, my favorite moment in the movie by far, there's like a guy who's been shot which, like, don't get me started on the fact that people were getting shot in this movie, and at one point they shoot the boat, but anyways. Point is, he's lost feeling in his arm as a result of being shot. And then he's like, but I still... Okay. (laughs) But he's like, so he's like, got his arm under the covers and stuff, and then somebody pulls back the covers, and the cat is gnawing on his hand. And it is fucking cool. Like, that is a really super cool moment in this garbage movie. And you're just like, why can't you just do more of that? Uh, I don't think you interpreted the scene very well. <laughs> He's got a woman laying on top of him, making out with him. And then he comments about how he can't feel his arm, but he can feel other things in his body. He and, she's like, and she's like, let me take a look at the boo-boo, and then pulls the sheet back, and apparently they've been laying on the <laughs> mute cat as it was gnawing <laughs> on his fingers. All right. <laughs> but when they pull the sheet off and the guy's got his arm that he can't feel and the cat's chewing on it, it looks really cool. <laughs> it doesn't look bad. It's like the whole scene it's is just, absurd as shit, but I was like laughing yeah. my ass off. <laughs> oh, it's and then I mean like for the record, it's like you're right. Like ridiculously bad dialogue of this girl wanting to sleep with a guy who's lost feeling in part of his body as a result of blood loss. And he's like, Don't worry, it still works, we can still go. <laughs> <laughs> but then as soon as he sees the cat chew in his hand, his immediate instinct is, oh my god, we know that people who get bit by this cat die from the weird blood disease. So logically, I've got to throw myself off the boat. And My blood by the way, is poisoned! My blood is poisoned! But he also he has to throw himself off the far side of the boat. So he has to run the length of the boat. He can't throw himself off the part of the boat that he's right beside. Because well, apparently this... Go off that side of the boat. <laughs> and he he manages to take the girl with him somehow which makes no sense and they immediately get lost in the water the minute they hit the water they just sink straight to the bottom of the ocean because two people jump in and start swimming around looking for them and cannot find him even though there'd be so much blood everywhere did he take the girl with him yeah i completely missed that part of it she's gone at that moment she's just dead at the end of that scene i'm pretty sure yeah, once you said that, I started thinking. I'm like, no, nah, she's around. And I'm like, 
Oh, she isn't. We never <laughs> no. see her again. No, they, they go in the water, and the other two guys jump in to save them. And that's it. Then they're just like, nope, didn't save them. Cut to them, like, drying off, being like, well, that's kind of annoying that one of our friends is dead, and that girl we met two days ago is dead. <laughs> uh See, my favorite scene is drunken Clue Gulliger just wandering around the boat looking for more wine. <laughs> the cat's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, opens it up and the cat's just sitting in like this cooler and he's like freaked out. But then he's like, oh, that's that's my wine, kitty. It's my wine. <laughs> this, this movie uh, commits a whole lot of weird sins. Um, and and I know it's stupid to complain about this one, but I'm going to. Why the fuck do they edit in that cat meowling? Constantly? Oh my god! Especially when you can clearly see the cat's mouth is not moving. It's not meowing. It's just and it's just going. You're misinterpreting because it's literally the same meow just over and over again. I thought somebody was just watching Bloodsport in the background. <laughs> Callback. But yeah, I mean this movie's a bit a bit crazy. I don't know if you guys feel that way about it. But no. <laughs> Did you guys find the lack of nudity in this movie oh, to be God. a little weird? Well, it's, it's because it's, they're but, constantly teasing it and then showing yeah. you like she like it's like four minutes of leading up to the girl taking her shirt off and then she takes it off and it's just the shot is from the neck up and you're like, but right. why did you spend four minutes getting ready for this shot then? Right, and it keeps going, let's get as close as we can to having them naked without yeah. ever actually having them naked. It, it's it's a really weird because thing to you need because, this movie to be for kids. Yeah, it's because if if you're not gonna if you're not gonna have nudity in your movie, this is my advice to any up and coming filmmakers listening. If you've decided not to have nudity in your movie, then maybe don't have close ups on the girls' vaginas as any of your shots, because there are conservatively ten close ups on the girls' vaginas in this movie, yeah. <laughs> and then they, then they're like, no, we can't have nudity. That's inappropriate. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if the girls got on set and decided they weren't gonna get naked. And they're like, "Fuck! What are we gonna do now? What if we pretend <laughs> you're going to cast them?" I don't know. I don't know what happened. I still like to imagine the director's like, "No nipples. This is a family film. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to go for a mainstream market with our killer cat that lives inside of another cat movie." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, plot-wise, of any movie, there should be nudity all over this movie. Oh yeah, this this movie, and that's the I think that's one of the problems with the movie is that it didn't fully embrace its cheesy ridiculousness, and if it had, then it would have had that nudity in it as well. Like, just be an exploitation film, and just respect that that's what you're doing. Yeah, it would have been better. Yeah, because I mean, you got a bunch of teenagers on spring break. That that should be enough right there. But yeah, you got two girls like staying on a yacht with a lecherous millionaire. Yeah. That should be something, but nothing. It's, it's... Uh, we also need to talk about what, not only is my favorite scene of this movie, but approaches becoming one of my new favorite scenes in here. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, of course it does. <laughs> as, the boat, as the boat sinks and they're in the little line. Oh, Jesus. It's the final attack by the cat. <laughs> this which thing, basically, which basically plays out identically twice. 
Yeah. And their their big thing is, fuck, we're the only thing left floating out here, and it's just going to keep trying to get into the lifeboat. So their idea is they, like, empty the briefcase filled with money into a sack and throw that out there, and that works. And all you see is the angry <laughs> demon cat sitting on it like fucking Rose at the end of Titanic, slowly floating away, looking pissed <laughs> off. It's like it's almost like it's almost like thanks guys that's all I wanted this whole time. <laughs> it's just, I mean, and it's so cheesy because the so the cat monster. Did we lose fucking here. Oh, where where did I cut out? You, you got to cat. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was gonna say it's not like the cat's extremely well done, but it's but it's not also not completely incompetently done. Like it's a cool. No. It's okay. But <laughs> god damn it, that last confrontation, it's basically they're fighting a a wet, ugly, like Elmo puppet. <laughs> like clearly. And he's just shaking it, going, ah! ah! <laughs> it throws it off rinse and repeat because it comes on the exact same way, attacks him the exact same way, gets thrown off the exact same way. It, it oh, feels like like an SNL sketch, like, oh, we're being attacked by a cat. There, I threw it overboard. It's not over yet. And then the exact same thing just keeps happening. Well, the thing is, what you guys are neglecting too is that when all this is done, then there's still a scene where the cat made it to shore and it attacks a kid. Oh, that's right. Right. So this this is like it's the return of the king of killer cat movies. It just the kiss keeps having ending after ending after ending, and you're just like, just it's okay. You're done now. When they got on the lifeboat, we figured out those are the two characters who were going to... Okay, when they got on the big boat five minutes into the movie, we figured out which two characters were going to live. Now they're just dry, drifting off. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they get in the boat, have the little fight. And then there's a shot of them, I don't know, somewhere in some... No one knows. Some uh, like police office explaining everything nondescript South American police office. It, it's like your cat story is bullshit. But, but here's your here's your knapsack full of money. Take it and leave. <laughs> and then cut to yeah, some kid wandering a beach and grabbing a random cat that he finds. Yeah, God okay. damn it. <laughs> so I would say this movie, especially for somebody of my ilk who likes bad movies, Man, this is a really good blend of like the good parts are actually like competent enough that you can enjoy it just for what it is, and then it just switches over to stuff that's so <laughs> garbagey weird that it's entertaining because it's just so incompetent. Uh, I will say, apparently, there is a riff tracks version of this movie. I'm very curious to see that. <laughs> Which I would watch this movie again just for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we haven't even mentioned, like there's a subplot where one of the one of the guys that the girls bring with them on the boat is like completely obsessed with the mobster guy because he like thinks he's a great Wall Street guy because it's the '80s, so like being a Wall Street guy makes you famous. Yeah. And, like, and then you, he's like keeps following around trying to ask him for advice, and the guy's like, "Fuck off! I don't even want you on my boat." The whole time. I was so busy trying to fight that demon cat that lives inside of another cat's mouth that I forgot to cure my crippling bonitis. <laughs> uh, then you forgot. Uh, is it, I think it's the guy that lives. The gets like the uh, 
I don't know, a little telescope thing that you're supposed to use for navigating and somehow turns <laughs> it into a microscope. <laughs> it somehow knows what mutating cat blood looks like. Oh, this <laughs> cat blood is mutating way quicker than I expected it to be. <laughs> what did you think you were going to see? Unless you happen to be a, like some kind of biologist, you can't look at blood and know what the hell it is. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it raised another I question, would, too. I would love a far more accurate movie where they look at it and they're like, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but that ain't right. This shit's all jiggly. <laughs> Why is it all wiggling around like that? This doesn't seem right. <laughs> I don't think your blood's supposed to be all fast and wiggly. <laughs> the, the real question I have is, why was that guy friends with those other two douchebags? Like, why is he this, like, serious, like, guy who's, like, getting a master's degree and he has, like, that weird beard that people had in the 80s to prove that they were serious? And then, like, he's just with those two, like, frat boy douchebags. Why are those guys all friends? That doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know, because remember when they were sitting down, like, they were hanging out and then he comes strolling up and they're like, uh, this guy. And I'm like, well... Why did you go to spring break? With yeah, like, like it seems like the three of you are on spring break together. I maybe, feel like maybe it's one of those things where he's the friend that actually has money. And mm. so, and so they were like, Oh yeah, we should all go party. You know, you get the room and we'll cover the rest. And then they get there and they're like, Oh man, we forgot our money. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We got these chicks who totally hook us up with this yacht. It'll be great. It's, it's like, there are eight, nine speaking roles in this whole movie and five of them are people who went on spring break but didn't have a place to stay. <laughs> so they all had to find a place to mooch. God, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a delight. It is a delight. <laughs> it's, and the thing is, like, it's got great gore in it and we're just not even talking about that because of how ridiculous everything else is. Remember when like, the cat bit through that one guy's ankle? That looks so cool. Well, and my my entire presupposed opinion of this movie was based off of the ten million clips I've seen of this movie, and they all involve that cat, like coming out of the other cat and going from behind something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and I've been meaning to catch up with this one for a long time, but I'll be honest, I was expecting a little bit more of a better movie. Like an '80s movie, you know what I mean, cheesy and dumb and stuff, but not quite so off the mark. <laughs> you didn't think this was gonna be a movie that like USA Up All Night would look at and be like, I don't know. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> it's just everything about this movie is so fucking weird, and you can tell they're trying because you don't have that many dumb plot twists without really sitting down and thinking about it. <laughs> but remember when the one guy shot a hole in the boat and then nobody did anything about it for the next 20 minutes of the movie and then all of a sudden they're shocked that the boat's sinking and it's well he shot a hole in the boat what did you think was going to happen water's been pouring in for a long time now <laughs> and then they're like uh, fix it and it's just like a giant perfectly round hole about like I don't know six inches in diameter and they're like fix it she's like I can't it's raining out that's not why you can't fix it. You don't know how to fix that. <laughs> uh, by the way, they also spend time letting us know they have uh, uh, funerals at sea for all the people that die in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, George Kennedy is the first one to 
to really die because Kuguliger dies, but kind of goes flying over the edge of the boat. So they just wrap George Kennedy up in a sheet, and they're like, "All right, toss him over the edge." It keeps happening throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> and my favorite part is when the one guy, the first guy that they, when they figure out he fell off the boat, she's like, "Well, we got to call the authorities." And then they're like, "Nah, I like couldn't, like the mobster guys legitimately are like, well, that we just want to get to our money, so we don't really care that he's dead now." And so she's like, well, I'm making a note of it in my log. And they're like, of course you do it. It's like, no, if you're going to just choose to let that guy die in the ocean and not even try to find him, don't write down that you're doing that. Well, they also convince her not to tell because they're like, there's no point. He doesn't know how to swim. He can't swim. So and that's, that's enough for her to be like, well, I guess you're right. And I guess we don't need to report his death to the authorities. Hey, man, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Good lord. Alright, anything else about Uninvited? <laughs> Recommend. Watch it with a friend. Uh, it's a good party movie, I will say that. It's... Turn it on, have some drinks, and just laugh. Well, have some drinks, then turn it on, is my advice for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking nuts. It's way more fun to talk about than it is to watch. Especially is... by yourself. For um, sure. The killer cat stuff's pretty good. The rest of it's just fucking weird. <laughs> uh, I had a thought that the the doc, the scientist or whatever at the beginning kind of looked like Noah. Oh. Hey. Eh, just dark hair, glasses. This, that's when the movie lost me. Okay, so that's when, the, when this movie, when I realized it was ridiculous, is so the cat gets out of the room kills a couple of people it runs down to like the underground parking and the scientists and the security guards are all following it looking trying to catch it and they've all seen the bodies like they all know what this cat's capable of and the security guards like well what are we gonna do i don't know and the scientist is like give me your gun and he takes the security guard's gun and starts chasing the cat like why don't you let the guy who's trained with (laughs) why don't you let him shoot the cat probably go a lot better (laughs) yeah so now, that, ridiculous. now that you point out that that guy looks like Noah, I'm like, oh, I can't expect rational behavior from him. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Pretty much anybody that, who looks like fat, middle-aged Harry Potter is a dead ringer for me. <laughs> uh, Doug, would you like to tell us about strays? Um, I guess. Strays is... I want to say a more a much more normal movie, but it has just as many weird plot twists. It just takes itself a lot more seriously. That is true. Um, the I guess the main plot is that a family moves into a house. There are some stray cats already living in the house, and then those cats attack them. And the last I don't know half an hour of the movie is just cats fighting humans, which is pretty cool. Uh, insert a bunch of unnecessary drama about the sister of the mom in the family trying to steal her, her brother-in-law away from his family. And yeah, that's it. I mean, there's not a lot to this movie. Uh, no. This movie is totally Jaws 2 with cats. <laughs> like, it really is. I mean, the plot, it really is. It's they, they adopt the, the, 
uh, female cat and basically steal the aggressive male's mate and it comes back for vengeance because they <laughs> took its mate and he even kills it by <laughs> electrocuting it to death does do that. Tries to bite him. <laughs> yeah yeah that is, he does get the jaws to death at the end for sure uh, uh, what'd you think though well I would say the first thing I have to say about this this movie is way fucking better than it deserves to be. Like when I, when I picked this movie, I picked it randomly because I was like, I need another cat movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, a made a made for TV siege movie about a family beset by cats. <laughs> let's let's watch that. And it stars uh, 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 Timothy Busfield. Timothy Busfield. Thank you. I can always remember his last name, but it's not his first name. Who you guys may. <laughs> remember as Poindexter from Revenge of the Nerds, mm -hmm. uh, who I have said multiple times is just watered down. Uh, uh, I hope I'm not working. <laughs> Snap your fingers at us like we're going to give you the answer. No. <laughs> Richard, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, thank you. He's <laughs> generic Richard Dreyfus. Like, he just does what Richard Dreyfus does, just not quite as well. But it's Richard always passable. Which, if you're going for a whole Jaws theme, that works. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, this movie, it's so much... It's just better than it should be. I can't, I can't fucking explain it. Like, so the, the, the aggressive male cat actually looks pretty freaky. It looks kind of like Church from Pet Cemetery. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and they do a good job of making it look aggressive and dangerous. And especially after the fucking hard turn the movie takes where it goes from being creepy and you know there's some cats in the house to what in the fuck there's an army of cats <laughs> trying to kill this family <laughs> from the moment she walks into the bedroom and all the cats are in the crib and you think they're fucking tearing apart the the child yeah it it turns into an effective fucking horror movie like it's freaky you're you're convinced you're like man these fucking cats are going to get these motherfuckers <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I think everything involving the main cat storyline is pretty well done. I think they do a really good job of using the kid to create like just that sense of dread where you're like, oh, the cat's going to eat the kid. Don't eat the kid. She's just little. Like The whole time you're thinking that. I think it's, it's pretty well done. The problem I have with the movie is everything that doesn't involve that main storyline, all the padding, is just atrocious. Just terrible. Which I think is almost like unavoidable it's a, it's a fucking made for tv movie you're gonna get this weird side plot involving the fucking sister-in-law trying to fuck her husband and it, it's but just a made for tv could, bullshit like you could you could do it at least as well as what i would expect tv to do and this movie does it way worse acceptable and i think that entire subplot is really just to get the husband out of the house which seems Which, odd. Like, he, he could just go to work that day. It's not like it's hard to get a guy out of a house. <laughs> right. He, he has a job, and they mention like they're an hour and a half from the city, so he could just have a meeting in the city that day. It's not like it wouldn't have been hard at all to write a script where he has to be out of town. Right, and in a in a, in a like a an under siege movie like this, really, they could have just got trapped in different rooms, <laughs> like yeah. in the house. Yeah, this thing. But again, though, the cat siege is pretty effective, and that's really what you're here for. Yeah, yeah, like I said, and it's it's amazing how much menace they actually get to generate 
for what is essentially a bunch of fucking house cats. <laughs> like they're filming house cats running around and cleverly editing it to make it look like they're dangerous, aggressive. Yeah. Well, cats are animals. Creepy. Yeah. Uh, huge props for the weird scene of them waking up and the, the male cat is broken into their bedroom and pissed everywhere. Somehow <laughs> pissed on his clothes that are hanging in the closet. They're up on hangers. In the it climbed it, hung from it, and peed on his clothes. Well, good for the cat. It's good to, it's good, good to be dedicated. I'm just, I'm just saying, how the fuck much water did that cat drink? <laughs> that cat it pissed on the pillow next to his face. Damn ninja. <laughs> It's a piss ninja. Uh, so it looks like this film originally premiered on the USA Network. Yep. Which makes perfect sense. Did you know? Did you see the premiere date? It's like, uh, the, it's like the 18th of December, 1990. Oh, yeah. This is a Christmas movie, according to. <laughs> it's a good old Christmas movie. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> uh, uh, so, what did you think, Doug? Yeah, you kind of agree with Noah, but what do you think yeah. in general? I th all in all, I think the the horror elements in the movie were done surprisingly well, and I enjoyed them. They are, it is made for TV movie, mm. but you think back like ninety one is that the same year as it came out? Maybe the year after. Year after, so, so pretty close. Yeah, so like TV movies at that time could pull off being legitimately scary they couldn't they couldn't get away with any kind of gore or anything like that but they could pull off like atmosphere and this film does it way better than i anticipated um but yeah like i say it, it's hard to get through that first part of the movie where they're trying to develop their characters and have side plots that just are nothing but luckily they seem to understand that so they do spend like it is i don't know what that scene that Noah referred to where they all the, the mom goes into the room and the cats are all like tearing apart the crib and then the baby's hiding in the in the closet and the cats then are trying to get into the closet. Um, like there's maybe 40 minutes left in the movie when that scene hits mm -hmm. and it's just all cat siege after that. There's nothing else going on. Like, I'll, I'll tell you what. And like I, I know it's a made-for-TV movie and they're not going to murder the little girl, but man, if she would have died, that would have been way more intense yeah the, all those cats because i actually that that caught me a little bit because she walks in that room and it's just that cradle filled with mewling cats like kind yeah. of like ripping at it you're like oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what they were going for and they were successful in doing it so kudos to them for pulling that pulling it off as well as they did they even had like a lot of like simple little plot points that like there's a whole thing where they they spend time in the beginning where they're installing a doggy door because now that they live in the country their dog can come in and out as it sees fit, and then they use that at, later in the movie they try to get the little girl to escape through its stuff, which is I mean it sounds like really simple, but again compared to what we just watched in the other movie, <laughs> you're like wow look at them put together this story how clever and well thought out. <laughs> Right. Oh, there's a there's a short in the uh, microwave wire. Well, that's gonna come back. Yep. 
I did like watching that cat get zapped at the end too. That, was, that made me pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Like Noah said earlier, they just film film a bunch of cats, and then they're like, "All right, we got to piece this together somehow." So they look terrifying. The the one big criticism I have of the movie is like right at the end, like the final line of dialogue when they're like, "Are you guys the owners?" No. Where are they? <laughs> they're still in there. Like that's the cat's house now. <laughs> Cats, the cats are taken over. <laughs> uh, which let's let's talk about that ending because because okay there there's the subplot that Doug brought up of uh, so Timothy Busfield's sister-in-law, who is his wife's sister. That's how sister-in-law working. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think, making sure it wasn't. I'm like. Did I misinterpret that? And that's actually maybe his brother's wife or no, something. It's but, his wife's sister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is getting a divorce, and he's her lawyer, right? But then she's like, really like hitting on him. Like she kisses him at some point, and yeah, right in front of her sister. I was yeah, like a three stage escalation where you're like, okay, well maybe she's just sad and, and acting out or something, and then you're like. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was probably inappropriate. And like by the third stage, you're like, "Oh, she is trying to fuck that guy. <laughs> like, she, she needs to chill the fuck out." So she, she of course realizes at some point, "Oh, I done fucked up." So she, of course, as this cat siege is going on and it's pouring outside, drives out to their house to be like, "I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, I tried to fuck your husband." Nobody's in the house, and of course. A Cat knocks her over the banister and she falls and dies. Yeah. Okay, so then the police show up at the end. And I just, like, how do you, like, well, our house was <laughs> taken over by cats and killed my sister-in-law who yeah. was trying to hit on me and my wife wasn't very happy about it. But totally there's the also, cats. There's also a murdered phone repair man in the basement. <laughs> Yes, but totally the cat's fault. Totally the cat's. Definitely not us humans. <laughs> I, I don't really, know. Your secretary said that you guys have all been having some issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That is... You had to leave and take care of a family emergency. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it would be, it's always one of those things where you're like, what's going to happen tomorrow? And also, if they're conceding that that house belongs to the cats now, like, seems like a pretty expensive house. They're just going to let that go. <laughs> Where are they going to live now, and how are they going to afford to buy another house? <laughs> well, they do move out. Okay, but they do move out, and then we hear a new family move in. Right. So apparently, nobody <laughs> learned their lesson. But the, what's hilarious about that is it does feel like they're just sacrificing the next family. They're like, this is too <laughs> fucked up. We better go. Clean up the blood and don't mention it to the realtor because if once the realtor knows, they're legally obligated to tell the buyers. So just don't tell them. Well, everyone knows once you slay the cat king, the rest of the cat kingdom becomes disorganized and can't possibly play siege again. See, not all of us know all the cat rules, so I didn't know that. Yeah, which uh, which I guess we didn't mention it. The house was originally like an old cat lady's house who fed all the strays and stuff and then was attacked by the evil cat king and fell down the stairs and died. Yeah. yeah, like, she was the original leader of the cats and he took over from her Wakanda style. He challenged her. He defeated her. <laughs> <laughs> he <was> the leader. <laughs> uh, that's 
James. Uh, oh my God. I want to remake this movie just because and put Timothy Busfield back in it again. Just because at one point I want to see that cat like pop up and I want him to be like, Baku. <laughs> Give me the cat standing on a waterfall, fight full fighting stance. Which apparently, as we saw in this movie, water is poisonous to cats. Yes. They will go nowhere near it, no matter how feral and angry they are. Yeah. The best, the best part is at the end where he finally uses the squirt gun that the vet gave him. That was like, this will pretty much drive off a cat. It'll piss it off, but I mean, it'll go away. And of course, he squirts the the church stand-in cat, and that cat just is pissed off. It just doesn't give two fucks about being squirted. He's he's had like three jugs of water dumped on him at this point in the movie. He doesn't give a fuck about that squirt gun. Uh. How cheesy was the scene where his like vet gives him a squirt gun to chase off cats, and he pulls out the gun, and they're all like, <gasps> "Don't worry, it's a squirt gun." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, him and Timothy Busfield weren't getting along because he didn't like how he was talking to him about his dog. And the guy just pulls the gun out. And he's like, "Hey, now, hey, calm down." It was kind of funny though because he's like gets so upset about how he talks about the dog, and then every time Timothy Busfield's character's talking about the cat, he's like, "It's just a cat." Like the guy's just—he's a vet, but he's just a total dog guy. <laughs> the fuck cats—he doesn't care about them at all. I do love—I do love the fact that the movie—the movie starts and they—they they go out of their way to tell you over and over and over how allergic he is to cats. They're like, "He's allergic to cats. We can't have cats. He's allergic to cats." He goes off to go to work one day. They find the cat, the kitten. <laughs> in the attic, and they're like, "Oh, these are our cats now." And he comes home, and he's like, "What the fuck? We have cats. I can't do cats. I'm allergic." And they're like, "No, we love these cats, and fuck you, these cats live in the house now." And not only that, but they're like, "Hey, we just found these cats. Let's go to work and surprise your daddy with these cats." It's like, why are you doing that? He's allergic <laughs> to them. Well, she's mad at him for making out with her sister, right? I guess, but that's, that's when she shows up with the cats and they're like hugging and she gets even madder. Yeah, well, the cats are a punishment for the kiss. I don't know what the punishment for the hugging is. <laughs> Letting the cat piss all over his clothes the next morning. I guess that's what it is. That's that's the, where Noah was giving the cat too much credit because really the wife's in on it, so she's holding the cat up so he can pee on the hanging clothes. <laughs> that's, that's a cut scene that didn't make it into the movie. <laughs> He's just holding it backwards like a little piss machine gun. I don't even think he's pissing. I think she's full on just squeezing him like his <laughs> closet. I do like the bit where he he's so angry that it's everywhere and he picks up a shoe and looks in it and makes a face and just you know the cat shit in the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm disappointed there's no trivia for this on IMDb. No, and I tried to look up some stuff about it, and I really didn't find much about this movie. Why do you guys sound surprised about that? Well, because it's it's not that bad of a movie. It's it's like, but it is a 1991 made-for-TV movie about cats sieging a home. It's you can't expect there to be a lot of people for whom this will be a, a beloved film. Even like the Wikipedia is like bare bones. I don't think it has a plot description, does it? it was, was uh, premise: Paul Jarrett <laughs> is a lawyer from Chicago who moves into an isolated house with his wife Lindsay and his family. Period. 
they soon find themselves being terrorized by a horde of stray cats. Period. That's it. That's <laughs> two, it. two sentences. <laughs> yeah. When Wikipedia refuses to refer to it as a plot, you know that they're not going to get too involved. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this is available on home video at all. A man know. and a cat enter into a battle <laughs> over the fate of Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if this is available. It's on YouTube if anybody is interested in watching it. Um, in in which copyright holders get it taken down. I was gonna say I I'd recommend it. Like I said, this movie's way better than you'd think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> it just really is. It's a pretty solid movie. It's got its ups and downs, you know. The, Doug's right, the part where they're doing all the side plots isn't very interesting, but as far as a made-for-TV horror movie, this is pretty damn good. Yeah, if, if you like made-for-TV horror, I would say that this is a good movie. Like, you probably would enjoy it. Oh, oh, shit. So, it was only ever released on VHS, it looks like. Oh. Not even a DVD. No. That's, usually, that's usually how they end up on YouTube for free. Is <laughs> Like, the copyright holders are not going to look for them takedown if they haven't released them on DVD yet. Maybe it'll get the midnight drive-in bump as a few other movies have, and it's going to randomly get picked up by like fucking Arrow or Screen Factory. The funny thing is, okay, I'm looking through the Amazon stuff right now. So it has a VHS on there. If you click over to the DVD tab, it's a movie also called Strays, but it stars Vin Diesel from like, yeah, yeah, five years later, yeah. So I'm like, ah, well, that sucks. Okay, so no DVD. But if you're still on the VHS tab, it does have a, hey, you can stream this movie now with your Prime membership. And I was like, well, that wasn't right, because I looked on Amazon Prime and it didn't show up. So I click on the Stream Now button, and the movie Strays with Vin Diesel, of course, pops up to to play. That's how little they care about this movie. They're like, nah, we're not even going to correct its VHS page. (laughs) That's pretty bad. If you do have Amazon Prime, you can watch Uninvited, though. Yes, I watched that on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's, it's still shitty quality. It's worth it for that slightly higher quality than going on YouTube. <laughs> well, the only version of Uninvited on YouTube was doing like the double speed thing. Yeah, lame. Because when we watch movies this bad, I check YouTube first. I figure it's the most likely source. <laughs> Checked Amazon Prime when YouTube didn't work out. Uh, yeah, so we'll say recommend for Strays if you get a chance to watch it. Like, weirdly, like we're recommending both of these objectively bad movies, uh, which is strange, but uh, that's what I we're at. I'd say for two different yeah, reasons. I don't know. Like I said, with Strays, I don't even think I can call it objectively bad because it's not really bad. No, it's you're like, right. It has It has good and bad elements to it. Yeah. Whereas Uninvited is just bad. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad movie. Uninvited is a bad movie. Hilariously bad. I would say un- Uninvited is a bad movie that has like good stuff in it, and Strays is a good movie that has some bad stuff in it, dragging it down. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. 
If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, we do have one piece of feedback this week. Ooh. Our uh, friend uh, Terre Haute Kent gave us an email. And he said, in the future, Disney will acquire the Wayland yutani Corporation. And he's not wrong. I assume it will. Uh, I said, hey, guys, if the jump scare in Hill House that Noah mentioned is the one I'm thinking of, then it should be noted that the other actors were not expecting it either. So those reactions were legit. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good good way to get a good uh, reaction from someone. It works. Uh, I'm very excited to hear you're tackling one of my favorite movies, Uninvited. I've been subjecting to people to this movie since I first got my VHS copy of it back in 2003. There's so much wrong with that sentence. <laughs> first of all, don't refer to mo- your favorite movie as one you subject people to. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't let Doug tell you how to live. Got your, got your VHS copy in 2003 is another problematic statement. You breathe, you breathe free and proud, Tara. <laughs> uh, the scene with the truck crash featuring the looped sound effect plus the visible arm and the puppet convinced me that I needed to see this movie. Uh, not too long ago, Rift Tracks released it uh, on VOD as well. well. There you go. That might be the version to watch if you're going to watch that movie. Probably. But, like it's, I haven't seen it, so maybe it's terrible, but I suspect that that improves the movie. Great deal. Uh, and he says, has anyone else seen the trailer for Escape Room? I thought it might be a fun little Saw ripoff, but then I saw it was rated PG-13. There are some subgenres in horror that can work in PG-13, but this ain't it. Has anybody seen the trailer for it? No, I was about to watch yeah. it, but then he's like, it's PG-13, and that subgenre doesn't work in PG-13. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, it- Yeah doesn't seem like that's the appropriate way to handle that so i think it looks like a bunch of hipsters watched cube (laughs) and they were like hey what if we did cube but it's like you know what are those escape rooms we go to on the weekends (laughs) yeah that's cool bro right you're right You've made your point. I'm not going to watch the trailer, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And then he wraps up with, oh, well, how about those Marvel trailers? Stay toasty. Can't. So did you guys see the uh, Captain Marvel trailer? I did. Are you excited? I I don't know how excited I am about that movie. I mean, I'm obviously going to see it. I think it's just my lack of knowledge of the character and the surrounding mythos that is just mm-hmm. maybe I'll be more excited once I once it's like getting closer and they keep pumping out like YouTube videos and stuff explaining to me what I can expect to see. She's it's she's one of those characters that is so fucking important to like if if you are just a uber comic book nerd, she's so important to the lore of the Marvel universe that it's weird because she's not exactly an A-lister character or anything. You know what I mean? It's not like... Well, and then the Captain that. Captain Marvel 
moniker has only been on a female for like what the past like ten years, maybe? No, no, way longer than that. Oh. Carol, Carol, Carol Danvers has been Captain Marvel. Well, she was Marvel, she yeah. was Ms. Marvel before I guess, that. I guess that's but but there was Captain Marvel who was a separate character, maybe multiple separate separate characters. And then she's taken it on, yeah. With, I would say within the last decade or so. Yeah, but I mean, Miss Miss Marvel's the one we're talking about. She's actually because the Danvers the Danvers version is more important than the Marvel. Mm-hmm. Sure, but it's it's one of those things because so few people are intimately familiar with that character. I can't see them stretching or fucking up the lore that bad that casual people are going to notice or give a shit. Mm-hmm. But I think diehard people like me are watching it and going, I don't know, they're making some weird changes. This is making me nervous. Because <laughs> I keep getting the unfortunate feeling that they're making Marvel a bad guy, and that's going to fucking piss me off because I really, really like the Marvel character. And I don't want mm-hmm. him to be some weird bad guy plot twist. Can't anybody that's a bad guy really be a good guy because they're actually a scroll or whatever? Yeah. I still wouldn't like that. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to remember how they did it in the Ultimates because I know Captain Marvel was like a thing. We don't, don't speak remember. of it. <laughs> All right. Ultimates, <laughs> Ultimates Universe is the worst. I am excited, but the scroll is finally showing up, though. Yeah. That scene of her punching the old lady on the <laughs> that made me happy, and then somebody's like, "That old lady's a scroll." I'm like, "Oh, all right, whatever." Still, <laughs> still like watching her punch an old lady. Yeah, I would say it's going to be good. I mean, there's no reason to think it wouldn't be. Mm. Yeah, Marvel's like 19 for 19 at this point. We'll probably just let them just assume this would be a good movie. Yeah, I would say they've made three that are iffy, and they're still rewatchable. Yeah. What what three would those be? Uh, Thor Dark World was pretty weak. Alright. And uh, Iron Man 3 was super fucking weak. Okay. I would say it's the worst one out of all of them. Uh, I'd go with... Uh, I was not a fan of Age of Ultron. Yeah, Age of Ultron, I think it was... I think it was serviceable for what it was. It just wasn't amazing or anything. Yeah. It's, I think Age of Ultron was just let down because of how much people enjoyed the first Avengers. I think mm-hmm. people were just hoping for that again. And then it it got Spider-Man 3'd, where they were just trying to... The director was being forced to use characters they didn't want to and did, couldn't tell the story he did want to. And mm. Yeah. Probably fair. But it's still pretty good. Like, it's... Uh, I saw somewhere online to show how well they de-aged Sam Jackson for this movie is they took a picture of him from The Negotiator, which came out in the mid-90s, and put it side-by-side with a picture of him from uh, this movie. And he has, like, the same haircut and everything, and it looks exactly the same. He doesn't look that different now, though. Nah, I mean, he's got some more wrinkles, as people do. Yeah. But they actually I mean, like, uh, almost him pretty well. Almost putting the hair on him covers it. So, uh, then the other big one is, of course, uh, Avengers Endgame, as we now know the it's subtitle. The worst. 
the worst kept secret ever. Like when Captain Strange said the word Endgame in the last movie, I'm like, oh, that's the title of the next movie. And they're like, no, it isn't. Then why why do you say it like that then? And look right into the camera like that. Didn't shut up. <laughs> like a year later, they're like, it is. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I said that like, huh. But what, what if more that it wasn't? And then you said that and they were like, oh, fuck, that's actually a good title. We should totally use that title. But it's totally not that title. And we're going to come up with our own thing like completely on our own. Just to it off. I don't think that all that happened because I don't think they know all the parts I said where I was saying things. I don't think Marvel knows about that. <laughs> uh, I fucking I know I know the in-game trailer is basically just a teaser trailer, mm-hmm. but man, I love that tone. That's a great yeah. tone that they're going for, and they've done a really good job of each each consecutive Marvel movie trying to do something a little different. And this is going to be the first one that's kind of got a pessimistic beginning to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where, where they're starting from fucked and trying to get unfucked, which has not happened yet in a Marvel movie. Yeah. No, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. you can kind of guess sort of how, how it's going to go, which is... Time travel. Yeah, there's going to be time travel. There's going to be... It's going to start with just after the snap that pretty clear there's going to be some kind of a time jump to somewhere in the future where a version of the Avengers is still operating in this new world and then they're going to try to fix everything and like it seems pretty clear unless they're completely misleading us which they do sometimes but yeah. I don't know it's we'll see how it goes I'm pretty excited for it I like that they're leaning heavy on the like sick depression that everybody was feeling after the last movie. <laughs> like, remember how upset you were coming out of the theater last time? Which which I feel is appropriate. You know what oh, I mean? Totally. Yeah, I, feel... <laughs> yeah I, it, it's correct for, for what they're doing. And I love that they're, you know, not playing back into a big budget big action movie formula that they're just saying, like, this is a story. It's a continuation of the last story. They're, you know, we're, we're telling a story here. We're not just trying to pump out another Transformers style movie, which is that's what the MCU has been doing right the, for the last little while. It's just been like relying on their characters and their storytelling rather than just just the action sequences, which the action sequences tend to be pretty good as well. Um, I was excited to see Hawkeye in his Ronin gear. Uh, for those that are not aware, Ronan is an identity he took on after he was quote-unquote dead for a while and allows him to be a lot darker and a lot more violent. Right. So I was, was excited to see The fucking shanking people. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty clear that we're going to get a little Hawkeye storyline where his family was you know, decimated and he decided to go darker and into his vigilantism. Which is a good turn for that character, I think. Yeah. They've done a good job setting that up since, like, Age of Ultron when they introduced the idea that he had a family. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're going to do a interesting play with the fact that, you know, Natasha is supposed to be this cold-blooded killer who slowly over time is, you know, becoming more of the superhero archetype. And this is going to be Clint, who 
has been pretty much the superhero archetype the entire time without a lot of flaws having him becoming more of a cold-blooded killer and those two happening to interact and like help fix each other you know what i mean yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, and it's it, with the narrowed down cast you're gonna those two are gonna get screen time again which they haven't had properly in, in a while you can actually have interactions between them and stuff which will be nice yep i am excited not that not that i wasn't gonna be right there's almost nothing that could have been in that trailer that wouldn't have gotten me excited mm-hmm. and they, i think they did a good job too of ending it on a bit of a joke so that you're not depressed from the trailer because you don't want to be depressed from a trailer yeah you want to be depressed when you see the movie although i feel like i've been waiting to see adam warlock for way too fucking long at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, starting to get upsetting. I need to know who the fuck is playing Adam Warlock. I need to see Adam Warlock. Well, before he was unceremoniously uh, booted, which I guess we can talk about the other thing here in a second, James Gunn had mentioned that <clears throat> Warlock was not going to factor into either one of the Avengers movies. Which is upsetting. And that he had plans for him in Guardians 3, I think. Right. Which is more upset. So I don't know. We'll have to see. And I know there's a big thing of uh, Dave Batista has pretty much said if they don't use the script that James Gunn wrote, he mm-hmm. wants them to release him from the contract and he does not want to be in the movie. Yeah. He's pretty much said that publicly, which I'm sure Disney is not fucking happy about that. They do not like their. They do not like being challenged. No. But it's almost impossible to recast that character at this point. So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And especially since the rumors of James Gunn possibly directing Suicide Squad 2, which actually got me excited for a Suicide Squad 2 movie. But he basically said, anybody you want me to play, just let me know. I'll show up. You got handed to Batista, man. That's that's some loyalty. I'll tell you right. what, Dave Batista's blockbuster would be pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, he keeps shitting on Disney like this. They're gonna buy up every other company in the world and immediately <laughs> get blockbuster. But... All because of Batista, they're gonna buy WWE. They're gonna buy. They're gonna buy uh, Warner Brothers. Shrug and go, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, just buy those two. <laughs> They're going to... What company was Blade Runner 2049 for... Is uh, it a Fox movie? I don't remember off the top of my head. Well, I'm thinking it's a Fox movie, and they're just going to edit Batista out of the beginning of that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, the only the only one that I'm kind of afraid of is the last thing on this fucking planet I want is for uh, Disney to get their fucking hands on, like, Savage Dragon or, like, 10,000 AD or anything like that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. those... For for all of the good that Marvel does, I do not want them touching properties that deserve hard R ratings. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, we should mention, uh, Once Upon a Deadpool came out, I think, yesterday? Yeah, uh, I think so. I haven't had a chance to go see it yet, but I might go sneak out on Sunday to see it. Yeah, I definitely want to because when they initially announced we're going to put out a PG thirteen cut of Deadpool, 
too. I'm like, well, that's stupid. There's no need for that. Oh, by the way, we shot extra footage of him and Fred Savage basically doing the Princess Bride thing over top of it. God damn it. All right. When does it come out? <laughs> Problem is that Spider-Verse is out this weekend too, right? Yeah. I want to see both of those. I don't have enough yeah. time to see both of those, I don't think. So I might have a stressful decision in my near future. Yeah. Well, and the fact that I was looking at it, I was like, it seems like kind of a shitty, shameless money grab. But then they were like, by the way, we're giving a ton of the money to charities. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> don't you knock my horse out from underneath me? I need that high horse. I need it to ride past. But then, even still in the trailer, pretended like it was still about money. Right. The very last trailer, like, why are you doing this? Because money and Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Just oddly, oddly honest. <laughs> I would love. That if after after this makes a bajillion dollars, because it's going to make a bajillion dollars, Disney mm-hmm. comes out and says, oh, by the way, we're keeping Deadpool. He's still going to have R-rated movies, but every single R-rated version is going to have a PG special edition mm-hmm. version that we're going to release six months later. That's like, that, God damn it. Fine. That yeah. would actually suit that character perfectly. <laughs> and if you did each one so that they took in like a different kids movie thing, too. So, like, this one's Princess Bride, but, like, the next one is, like, he's talking to Kevin McAllister or something. (laughs) Oh, my God. Please, please, if they do the fucking uh, Galactus Buster suit or something like that for uh, Endgame, they need to do a special cut of him and edit in, like, Iron Giant clips somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Just him going, I'm Superman, and Deadpool going, no! <laughs> I'm telling you, once the they get everything, all their ducks in a row, they should just re-release all of the Marvel movies and special editions where Deadpool's been edited in George Lucas style. Where, yeah, it doesn't affect the plot whatsoever, but you may see Deadpool just mopping up a hallway in the background. <laughs> that would be enough. I think the idea of a... Uh, a riff track style Deadpool commentary for every Disney movie that comes out from now on would be pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I would be on board. It's like a just... hard R, a hard R riff track for a soft PG movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much they can do with the character Deadpool, and they won't, which makes me sad. Yeah, but hopefully they'll just let them go make a Deadpool 3. Yeah. It's good enough. Yeah. Um, a couple other trailers we can talk about real quick. Did anybody else look at the Brightburn trailer? Yep. I've been wanting a superhero horror film for a long time. Mm-hmm. The closest we've had is probably Chronicle, which is a long time ago now. Yep. And I'm kind of excited to see a new one. Did you see this, Noah? I, I actually willfully decided not to watch that trailer because I think I'm going to go into the movie blind. Alright. Well, and great. Thank you. Thanks for letting us not be able to talk about it. You no, know. you guys can talk about it. I just don't, I just don't want to. No, the, the trailer doesn't give away a lot. It's just... I mean, I know what it is. It's basically Plutonian. It's essentially what it is. Well, yeah. And Plutonian, for those that didn't read 
irredeemable is just the story of Superman if Superman ended up becoming yeah, evil. Yeah, if Superman lost his shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's this this movie yeah, this movie takes it takes it even from the point that he was fucking evil as like a twelve year old, essentially. So I'm excited. Looks good. Yeah. I don't think I want to know too much more going into it either. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't know the movie was coming and I just saw the trailer blind. I was like, oh well that was fun. Now I want to see that movie. When does it come out? Like, you, you know, I just all I could imagine is once again somebody in some Disney office, and then like James Gunn's working with another company and they're making a superhero movie. It's really good. Like, God damn it! <laughs> Do it! We knew what happened. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then uh, the other big one, uh, the new Godzilla trailer. Yeah. I knew Noah would be excited about this one. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, really? Oh, my God. That new... That first... The first trailer, I was like, ugh, this is not really good. But that second trailer, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, monsters fighting! Fight them monsters! <laughs> so, it's directed by Michael Doty, who did, of course, uh, Trick or Treat and Krampus. And basically, it seems like he just asked, like, hey, can I just... Can I just do all the monsters? And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? So it's literally just Godzilla fighting all the monsters. It's pretty sweet. It, the it best thing good. is, it's a pretty all-star cast, but they did a good job of keeping uh, a few big Godzilla side baddies in reserves mm-hmm. for later stuff. Yeah. yeah, the trailer actually shows Monster on Monster Carnage, which looks awesome. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, now I kind of want to watch the trailer. <laughs> that bit, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I'm not a huge fan of trailers that do their best to like slap that one fucking, you know, ooh, there's a tagline for you in the trailer. But when they're sitting there like, well, what do you think we're going to do? Make Godzilla our pet? And then it flips to, uh, what's 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 the Japanese guy's name? I always forget his name. Yeah, something Watanabe. Yeah, yeah, I can't know himself. Wantanabe, yeah. and he goes, "No, we would be his." <laughs> awesome. And you're like, okay, that's fucking. That's really good. <laughs> now I just want to see Ghidorah and Godzilla fight. Yeah, looks pretty good. I'm excited. So we'll see. And I'm not like a gigantic Godzilla fan. I appreciate majority of them. But uh, I was kind of let down by the was it 2014 Godzilla because a lot of it was just like, oh, Godzilla's. Yeah, I think so. It's like, oh, I think Godzilla's about to fight the monster. Okay, well, let's cut to what uh, somebody else, what the humans are doing. It's like, well, that's that's not why I showed up to watch this movie. Yeah, they really fucked up. There's there's a really good Godzilla formula. Of there is introduce the monsters, weird people plot stuff, big monster fight, people plot stuff, giant end monster fight. Like that is, it's just the way those fucking movies work. And they did a mistake of not having that really good monster fight in the middle of the movie. They did that weird shit where you just kind of see bits and pieces of it. You see like their legs as they're fighting. 
which mm-hmm. was a really fucking bad idea. It makes that movie drag when it shouldn't drag. Yeah. Yeah. So new Godzilla next year, and then it looks like already 2020 Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, which I'm assuming will probably be decent. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm excited for Godzilla versus Kong, but I have I have a fucking issue with it now. It it really should have been this movie because mm. if Godzilla's getting ready to fight fucking like Rodan and King Ghidorah in these fucking huge epic fucking destroy all monsters bullshit of yeah. uh, Royal Rumble. Godzilla fighting a big monkey doesn't seem like that big of a fucking deal. <laughs> unless, yeah, good point. It, unless King Kong comes out wearing like World War Hulk armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a good point. Especially since Godzilla is supposed to be like a hundred times bigger than right Kong. Well, they'll probably hmm. just have some like enlarging ray that they can just shoot Kong <laughs> Well, they, they already came up with the excuse in the Kong movie where they say, he's young, he's still growing. That's all it's going to take? Yeah, that's pretty much what they did. So the excuse is, this is going to take place, you know, five years later. Now he's a mature Kong. <laughs> yeah, and that one was supposed to take place in the 70s, too. So. Uh, it's I don't know. confusing. I think it's best to treat these as standalone movies and just watch the big things punch each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be the way the way to enjoy them. Yeah. I just kind of want Legendary to take a swipe at a uh, a Gamera movie too. I need some. I need some mm-hmm. Rocket Turtle in my life. <laughs> oh, spend your money on these other movies. They'll be looking to make giant everything movies. So done and done. I mean, there's still there's still all the rumors beating around about Pacific Rim and uh, God, the Godzilla universes crossing over. I don't see it happening, but I don't know. I never saw the second Pacific Rim. Well, I will be able to tell you all about it here in a second. Oh, that was a great segue. That was an awesome segue. <laughs> I wonder. I wish it was intentional. Uh, well, I guess I'll start then. <laughs> Uh, so I caught up with Pacific Rim Uprising because I missed it in theaters. Um, so we're we're like ten years in the future of kaiju's being blocked in their own dimension or whatever you want to call it. Ooh, excuse me. So we are introduced to uh, uh, the guy from the new Star Wars movies. John Bega? What's his name? God damn it, this list tells me nothing. Uh, yeah, the guy from the new Star Wars movies. The black guy. Yeah. Oh, He's in it. It's not a and he plays... What is just I'm just saying. The black guy? Come on, man. Okay, he plays, he plays Finn from the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Good lord. Wait, anyway. Wait, which one's Finn again? Can you give me any descriptions of that one? <laughs> He's the former stormtrooper who turns on the Empire. <laughs> Okay. Um, the the Asian girlfriend that all the douchebags forced off of Twitter by being assholes. Yes. Uh, so he apparently is Idris Elba's son from the first movie. And he, of course, has turned his back on whatever they call this organization now. 
um, and has gone off to be a scrapper where he just steals uh, Jaeger tech and then sells it, whatever. So he gets busted and basically is sort of like a uh, condition of his release is he has to join back up with whatever this Jaeger group is. Um, and just as he does, of course, uh, weird shit starts happening. Another Jaeger shows up out of nowhere, piloted by who knows who, and starts destroying all the other Jaegers. And they determine this may be a setup to open up the breach to bring back the Kaijus for some unknown reason. Um, the whole plot is actually kind of stupid. Like, they could have just been like, well, the breach is closed, but it's open again. So we got to fight more monsters, and that would have been enough. But they come up with this convoluted, like somebody is purposely trying to get the breach back open so the kaijus can take over the world again, and it didn't need all that. So it's stuff with a lot of unnecessary plot points that I feel like hurt it. Uh, not as much robot versus monster like we had in the last movie, which is disappointing. So I'd say overall, a little bit of a letdown. It's not absolutely horrible, but it could have been better, which made me sad. Uh, did you ever see it, Noah? Uh, I did not. I've kind of heard descriptions of what you, you said before. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted for, with a sequel to Pacific Rim is I wanted more robots and more monsters. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what they did, so I kind of don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, everyone I've talked to just kind of says it's not as good. And then you're like, okay, then I'll just watch the original, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think uh, the original main character is even mentioned in this movie. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not good. Very disappointing. I was bummed, for sure. So, I don't know. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so, the next thing I watched is a documentary called Porndemic. Alright. Uh, so, I was not aware, because I was too young to be aware, that in the like mid to late 90s, there was a HIV outbreak in the porn industry. And so, this documentary kind of goes over like talking with people who were in the porn industry at the time about like what happened and because they essentially had to narrow it down to like essentially patient zero like there's somebody who was yeah. infected who didn't tell anybody and then they had it, to sort of it was all caused by somebody going and doing like brazilian porn or something right even though it was like against the rules and yeah well there was there was uh, a guy who was rumored to have done some gay porn, which apparently had a higher rate of infections. I don't know. They talk a lot about in this about how the porn industry really wasn't that concerned about HIV because they were still in the mindset of like, well, gay people are the only people that really get it. So, And then this guy got it and sort of infected a bunch of people and brought hell down upon everybody so it's a documentary just sort of talking about that whole situation and 
how they narrowed it down to figure out who it was. And they talked to the guy who it sort of all got blamed on. Um, and then uh, he sort of counter counterpoints with all this other stuff that it wasn't him. And then, yeah. So it's just an interesting sort of look into the world of 90s porn when because this this all happened like right before like it was still like a giant video market so people were just making money like crazy i think at some point they said it was a 10 billion dollar industry in 1990 so i mean you just made a porn video and like sold it on video and everybody just made a shit ton of money and this is before it hit the internet and then basically porn is pretty much free now so nobody makes money so it's just an interesting look into that sort of lifestyle from that point and talking to like a lot of the performers and stuff and how uh you know, just sort of how that world was back in the 90s and then this this shit brought like everything to a screeching halt until they figured out what the fuck was going on just an interesting watch if you ever get a chance uh, then the last thing I watched, which I knew I had to watch for this show, was uh, Leprechaun Returns, the new Leprechaun movie. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Okay. Because uh, it is a direct sequel. Uh, they did an amazing job recreating the house. And, cause, you know, they had the house and the wells right outside. And so, I mean, they did an amazing job because I'm like, did they just shoot this like in the same spot? But they shot it in in South Cape Africa or Cape Cod or somewhere in South Africa. And so they had to rebuild the house. But it looks seriously like they, they literally just went to the same spot and shot it. So they did an amazing job there. The story itself is kind of meh. Um, we find out sorority girls are moving into this house to try to um, sort of rebuild it to make it their new sorority house, even though they definitely point out that this house is like so far away from college campus that it's really annoying to get to from college. So I don't understand that point, but whatever. Uh, and then we, of course, we find out that the main character is Jennifer Anderson's daughter. Or her character's daughter from the okay. main first movie. I'm glad it's her character's daughter and they didn't just make her the actress's daughter. That would be weird. <laughs> that would be weird. Uh, what if it's like one of those metas movies where she's like, yeah, my mom was in this shitty movie. She hates talking about it. And then the leprechaun comes to life to kill her because her mom won't talk about it anymore. Shit, yeah, she just like totally <laughs> sold me on that. I would totally <laughs> see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, Ozzy comes back. He's pretty much the only character from the original one to return. Uh, he's still the local handyman, but he's also added Uber driver to his list of jobs. So sometimes he'll just pick up people in his work truck and drive them to where they need to go. Uh, the guy who plays the leprechaun does a pretty good job. Pretty consistent performance with the first movie. But, you know, it's no Warwick Davis. So it makes me sad. I don't understand why it's not Warwick Davis. Yeah, I don't know. And he hasn't commented, apparently, on anything about this movie, so... I don't know. My assumption is it's not Warwick Davis because they probably couldn't afford Warwick Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, an interesting fact I found out, at least 
from what IMDb told me. Uh, they actually had the balls to contact Jennifer Aniston about doing a cameo. And then on board, but they couldn't make it work out for timing. The weird thing is, she actually considered it, but they couldn't. They couldn't come to a deal on money. Because obviously, she probably wanted way more money than they probably even had budgeted for. Yeah. So I mean, she could have just done it for free and just did it as a favor. But apparently it says that she was, she actually congratulated the director because they were continuing the storyline from the first one because nobody ever contacted anybody from any of the characters for any of the sequels. Okay, and it's IMDb, so some of that could be complete bullshit, but... So, here's what I think happened. I think yeah. that Jennifer Anderson still refuses to answer any questions about leprechauns, <laughs> so the director or somebody in the marketing department had all that shit put on IMDb because they know she'll refuse to answer any questions and therefore it'll never be contradicted. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, yeah, she's just... I, I don't know. It seem, would seem weird to me that she would have had a change of heart now and go back. Mm. And, but Yeah, that's anyway. what I thought when I was reading it, but I was trying to be positive and just be like, huh, well, good for her. Well, you be positive all you want. I'll just sit here and Put a stop to it as best. <laughs> uh, I mean, the movie is not. It's probably about what you expect it to be. It's not like fantastic. There's lots of problems with it, but it was interesting to see a complete follow up to it 25 years later, just seemingly out of nowhere. <laughs> so, I'd say it's worth it's worth a watch if you get a chance to to watch it. But yeah, I still just, need to watch it. I didn't realize it was out. I didn't either until I saw. Until I saw uh, Doug's buddy, Ryan Turk, uh, posted about him watching it on Twitter. And I don't know if anybody knows, Ryan Turk went to work at uh, Blumhouse. He used to write for like Shock to You Drop and a bunch of websites and stuff like that. And then somehow parlayed that into being an executive producer on the new Halloween movie. (laughs) And so his comment was, wait, so they're making a sequel to the first movie and ignoring all the sequels? That's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good for him <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny uh, but yeah I mean the movie's okay uh, it's worth a watch but again don't expect greatness but he's back to just being a leprechaun instead of you know being in space or in the hood or horn swoggle from the WWE or anything else so enjoy it for that I guess but you know it's got its problems um Probably gonna get around to watching it whenever I have time to like sit down and watch the original and then that back to back. So yeah, the good thing is they did use some of the rules from the sequels. Where like uh, was it Iron hurts them or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah. They use that as a plot point, and, and then and then so they the screenwriter I give a bravo to because he literally wrote in the line from that video where they think the leprechaun's up in the tree, and that lady is like, probably a crackhead got into some bad stuff. He literally put that line into the movie, and it was fantastic. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, but that's all I watched. What about you, Noah? Uh, well, in in my usual, uh, I saw something, so I had to watch something else in nature. Oh, good lord. Well, Timothy Busfield was in this movie, so I had to rewatch Revenge of the Nerds. 
I had to. I thought you were going to say you watched the entire run of 30-something. That's what I was anticipating. Or, like, the 1997 film Trucks, I believe he was in as well. He was. Hell yeah. Little Big League. Love love Trucks. It's like shitty Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Maximum Overdrive isn't that good. But I rewatched it. It's it's got its problems, you know. <laughs> like, it's it's an awesome movie as long as you can just go. It was the eighties; they didn't know any better. <laughs> like, it just because parts of this movie now you're like, oh fuck, they're all as pieces of shit. God damn it! <laughs> like, fuck. So but, I, have on, I have it on DVD, but I haven't watched it ever since I bought it because I'm just like, oh, it's probably not going to hold up to my memories. <laughs> No, for the most part, it does. It's still, like I said, it's a really good movie. As long as you just go, it's an '80s movie. It's an '80s movie. It's an '80s movie. Don't, don't think too hard about like him putting on a mask and tricking a girl to have sex with him, or you know. But I, I will tell you something. I noticed something in this watch through that I have not. Randomly, while I was watching it, I saw one of the uh, the evil. Alpha Betas, you know, the, the, the jock guys. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, he looks real fucking familiar because it's one of the other ones, you know, not not uh, uh, Ted McGinley or Donald Gibbs or anybody like that. But, and I was staring at him. I paused it. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Is, it, is that Matt Salinger? <laughs> and I got on IMDb. Sure as fuck enough. It's goddamn Captain America. Captain America was one of the Alpha Betas. <laughs> From the fucking the 1990 Captain America. Have you guys ever seen that? Again, oh, I, ha- I have those on DVD just as a, well, we'll probably cover this at some point oh, on the podcast. Oh, we, I, do, we got so. to, got to. I, I actually, the, the 90s one, I really, really like it. I know it's got some big fucking problems with it. But was it, it considering was like the Red Skull's Italian instead of instead well, of a Nazi? It's still a fascist. <laughs> okay. But like I said, it's got its problems. And then of course I watched uh, Revenge of the Nerds too, because <laughs> why why wouldn't you? Uh is that Nerds in Paradise? Uh they, yeah, that's the one where they end up on the island. Yeah. And uh they become friends with Ogre. Speaking of, sidetrack, did anybody watch Jason Momoa on SNL? No. They no. did they, they did an SNL skit where he plays Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds in Revenge of the Nerds, except they call him Dorks instead. <laughs> and so he spends the whole time going, Dorks! It's <laughs> kind of awesome. <laughs> Gotta love a Donald Gibbs tribute. <laughs> But yeah, they're both still. I think those two hold up really well. I, I think they taper off after that point. <laughs> they just, you know, yeah, they get a little weird. Oh, it's called it's, it's called it's, Day Day of the Dorks is what they called it on SNL. And is it weird that no matter how many times I watch these movies, for some reason, it's always like the first time I realize I'm like, oh yeah, Robert Cameron Carradine is David Carradine's brother. <laughs> like, every time I watch it, I have the same thought. Like, oh, yeah. What happened to you? 
how did David Carradine end up being David Carradine and you did this? Yeah. How are you Robert Carradine and he's David Carradine? <laughs> you share genetics. Like, does it does not compute. Explain, human. <laughs> but that was it. Uh, other than, well, we finished up uh, Dead Like Me. And you guys were right. The second season, there's this huge dip in... Uh, not not necessarily the quality of the acting or anything, because it's all the same actors, but the special effects budget looks like it was cut in fucking like a third. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. Yeah, I don't know why that happened, but, but that was pretty much it. What about you, Doug? Uh, let's see. Last week when we were talking about Enemy Mine, I made reference mm -hmm. to The Defiant Ones. So then I got it in my head that I should watch that classic black and white movie with Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. But then I remembered that there's a made-for-TV 80s version of that movie that I should probably watch instead. <laughs> Starring <laughs> Carl Weathers and Robert Urich. Oh, you made the um, right choice. <laughs> and I, I, I hadn't seen this since the 80s. I knew I, I remembered enjoying it back then, but I don't know how much 10-year-old me is qualified to judge made-for-TV movies. It turns out it's actually really good, um, which was a little surprising and almost disappointing because I was like kind of hoping for it to be a shit show, and it turned out to be actually a really good retelling of the story um, because it turns out that if you're remaking a 1958 movie in the 80s, you can do that on a TV budget. Um, so you don't have to like alter the story at all and the language that was shocking and offensive in a movie theater in the 50s is now shocking and offensive on TV in the 80s so kind of convenient um, but yeah basic storyline is two guys escape from jail one black dude one white dude they don't like each other white dude's clearly racist um, and they just as they're running away from authorities they kind of gradually have to learn to be friends at the end it kind of like spoiler alert they each have a chance to escape but they'd be escaping on their own and not with the other one and they both make the decision that they'll stick together so isn't that nice no. um, yeah really good performances from both of the actors especially Carl Weathers um, I don't know I don't think of him as a good actor I think of him as more of like an action movie guy you know Apollo Creed type thing um, Clearly, you have not watched him on Arrested Development. <laughs> I have. <laughs> However, he does not use all of his dramatic acting chops in Arrested Development either, and he does dig them out for the Defiant ones. Um, but he teaches you how to make a good stew. I know. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, it it was really good. Um, it's a really simple story. It's all about the character. It's all about these two guys running together. Um, a couple of weird little twists that kind of make you go like when you when you're like me and you overthink movies. There's like there's this one female character who's the whole point is she's trying to meet a man, but she pretty much just like is willing to run off with anybody who shows up. And you're like that's a bit that's a bit far fetched. But she's just willing to run off with any man that wanders across her property. <laughs> um, but it was the '80s, Doug. Yeah, but then she has a son, and the son is Will Wheaton, so you're like, oh, well, that makes it all worthwhile, because we get to see little kid Will Wheaton shooting at uh, Robert Urich, which is always fun. Did you at least pronounce his name correctly? It's Will Wheaton. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, yeah, like I, I really like the movie. Um, I actually like. I highly recommend people if you're a fan of the original or fan of the Bugs Bunny cartoons that they made, where the cat and the dog were always handcuffed together. It's basically the same story as that, but retold in a in a really good way. And I think they do a really excellent job of. You know, it's hard to make a movie about race relations, especially in the '80s. Um, but they do a really good job of like, yeah, like some of the white people are horrible racists, but some of them hurt. And you know, there's there's good guys and bad guys on both sides. We the the two criminals are like obviously there are main characters. They sort of serve as our protagonists, but they make no qualms about the fact that both those guys totally deserve to be in jail. Like they think they're both criminals, and like you know, they kind of do the like. 80s like oh they're like Carl Weathers tried to beat a guy to death but that guy was a real jerk so maybe it's okay kind of thing um, you sort of give him a sympathetic story but it's it is pretty clear that these aren't good guys like these aren't guys that they aren't innocent guys that were thrown in jail or anything like that um, but then again there is also like a warden character who's clearly evil so it's it's more complicated than you would expect for the very simple plot line. When you get into all the characters and who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, and you try to have those discussions, it it can be quite interesting. But somebody else has to watch it in order for us to have that discussion. So, um, so yeah, surprisingly good, available on YouTube. I recommend people check it out. And then I remembered it was Christmas time, and I'm watching race relation movies from the '80s, so I should probably switch over to Christmas stuff. Uh, so I tried to force my kid to sit through the cartoon version of The Grinch, which means I ran in circles while the cartoon version of The Grinch played on my TV. <laughs> I was very disappointed in my kid. Like, you should be enthralled with this. But he wouldn't sit still, so therefore I didn't really get to watch it either, but I assume it's still awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's The Grinch. Yeah. There's the half-hour one, so. Yeah. It's good to just get all that right straight through rather than the, the live action one and then the newer one. I haven't seen the newer one, but it's a full length movie, so it's got to oh, yeah. be overcomplicated is almost a, a necessary thing. I do want to see it mostly because Scott Mosher directed it and that's fascinating to me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird that he's sort of had this second career now after he doesn't work with Kevin Smith anymore. Yeah. Uh, directing animated movies. Which is good for him. I mean, that's what he always wanted to do. He wanted to direct too. So, yeah, it's it's great for him, and it's just weird to me that he's got like, like he was the guy that helped Kevin Smith make the movies that made Kevin Smith famous, and then now he's mm-hmm. like this one movie grossed more at the box office than everything Kevin Smith's ever done combined. <laughs> it's like well, that's that's a little odd. Like, maybe, like Kevin Smith was holding him back all these years. It didn't seem that way. <laughs> it, it's been interesting to follow too because I still listen to Smodcast and they host it together Kevin Smith and Scott Mosher mm-hmm. and uh, Mosher kind of disappeared for like two years like he was he's like I'm off working on some project I can't really do podcasts that often and every now and again he'd show back up on one he'd be like oh I'm in town for a visit so we'll sit down and record a podcast together and he'd be like what the fuck is he doing that's like it's, it was weird because they were keeping a secret and it turns out he was making the new Grinch movie and he wasn't allowed to tell people. Um, yeah, I know he had, he had to like move to like France and like yeah, all this stuff for a couple of years. 
it's it's super weird like the idea that you moved to france to make an animated movie like why can't you just make that anywhere but apparently you have to move to france to do it i don't know well benedict cumberbatch is the uh voice of the french maybe it was just easier to do it closer to england i i don't know that seems weird but because if you, if you would think if that's the case then you would move to it in england right yeah i, I don't know either do i I don't understand the whole Hollywood thing. I don't understand how it works. Like, well, it's pretty much where you got to have all your meetings, and then you make the movies pretty much anywhere but Hollywood. Yeah, but it's it's always strange to me because like you hear about times where it's like they don't have the budget to go back to the original filming location. So they well, you were kind of hinting at it with the Leprechaun movie, like that. So they rebuild the thing, and you're like, how is that cheaper than just flying everybody to? the original location that doesn't make much sense but mm. i'm gonna guess for that though it's that location probably doesn't even exist anymore that's probably true in that particular like yeah. we're gonna have to rebuild it anyway might as well go rebuild it somewhere cheaper i understand that that concept yeah of some locations have yeah. they've changed drastically right so yeah yeah there's there's other there's other examples though that you're completely like dead on it's just like i don't want to just go there but that's it, I guess apparently it's cheaper for us to film somewhere else and build everything. And it's just, I think part of the problem is like when they do, it's weird, like, but when they do travel for film production stores, they bring like everybody with them. And you're like, well, I, again, if you're going to any major city, there must be people you can hire there to do that job. So you don't have to pay for all those people to travel and live and the whole time. You just pay them for the time they're on set. But, they need to bring their own people i don't know i've said it before i'll say it again i don't think hollywood's a particularly well-run industry i think i think any industry where the business model is we're gonna like swing for home runs on every pitch and if one fails we're like gonna cry and basically be screwed um it's probably not great i don't Mm -hmm. know i don't know why they do things the way they do things yeah me neither you, you, the argument is it's all about money, but no, what they're doing, the way they run that industry isn't the smart way to do it to make money. So, <laughs> uh, Anyways, so continuing on my Christmas movie watch, I finally got around to the 1989 movie Elves, which has been a mighty oh, yeah. since I think it was like 95 or 96. I saw this movie like mm-hmm. summer, and I saw this movie on the shelf in a video store, like the old VHS, and I'm like, I gotta watch that, but I gotta wait Christmas time, obviously, like that goes without say. So, my mental note I'll come back and rent that closer to Christmas, and I never did. And 20 years passed, and now I'm finally getting around to seeing it. <laughs> uh, we covered this on DZ back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, good old Dan so you, Haggerty. Yeah, so you, you would have understood what you were going into better than I did then, because I just assumed something weird happens elves show up they're killer elves somebody has to fight off the elves mm-hmm. that i just figured it was going to be that simple i did not anticipate that those elves were a nazi project <laughs> that so if, if i really? understand correctly you, you couldn't you couldn't gather that from uh, your it, imagination if i understand this correctly so the girl goes into the woods because she's going to start a witch coven with her friends because they're going to start a anti-Christmas pro-woman witch coven, is what I understand. Which I don't feel like there's a connection between anti-Christmas and pro-woman. I don't. I never heard of Christmas being an anti-woman thing before. 
but so they're doing their they're doing their little thing and then they just basically get bored and go back to town but it turns out that they accidentally brought some elves back or an elf or some elves i'm not sure i never quite figured out whether there was supposed to be one or more um and that elf is part of a nazi plot so this it turns out our main character all revealed later in the movie that she is the she is the result of selective inbreeding all done as part of this nazi plot so that she is genetically perfect to be impregnated by the elf to bring about the new fourth reich of superhumans and so the rest of the movie the elf is chasing her but it turns out it's because he really really wants to bone her and it has to be on christmas eve in order for it to work for some reason because in addition to it being this weird Nazi scientific plot, it's also magic. Yeah. And then, like, by weird coincidence, Dan Haggerty shows up as like an old police detective who's turned into a department store Santa. And he's now involved and is trying to protect this girl from the Nazis and from the elf. And it's just fucking weird as shit. It is like... It's uninvited level of weird. It's just I can't believe all the weird plot twists that it takes. I'm I'm not sure why you think this is so complicated. It's just magical <laughs> Nazi super elves trying to impregnate a woman on Christmas Eve, yo. <laughs> it's at one point the the so the main character and her friends decide to do the chopping mall and they all sneak into their own work like at night to have a party. It's just like six of them. I think they're all. I think the whole plan is they're all going to go sneak into this department store where they work. They're all going to steal sexy outfits from the different departments, put them on, then invite three guys over, then take those three guys over to the tent section and bang them. I think that's the whole plan, but it gets all screwed up because Dan Haggerty is now trying to live in the in the store because he's the Santa there and he thinks that gives him a right to break in and live there. Um, so he's in there with them. He basically says, look, I don't care. You guys can do whatever you want. But conveniently, then, he's there to protect them when the Nazis show up and just have a giant shootout in the middle of this department store for no reason. And you're just, the whole time, you're just like, I don't understand why any of this is happening. But it is surprisingly fun to watch. And Dan Egerty's doing his thing, just basically being that same character he is and everything he's in. The only thing that shocked me was at the end, when uh, they go into the woods to do the final, like, fight, is that he doesn't end up saving the day. They actually let the teenage girl be the one that gets to fight off the elf at the end. So that's, I thought that was rather progressive of them for a 1989 movie. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Fucking weird, but pretty fun to watch. I'm glad I did watch it. The elf is just like, it's not even, I don't, I wouldn't even describe it as a puppet. It's just like a little statue they have. And I think there's just a guy off screen, like bumping the feet. So it looks like it moves. <laughs> but it's fun to look at yeah i don't remember thing one about that movie Uh i know i watched it though like all the incest stuff caught me off guard a lot but the thing is there's even like there's even a scene in the beginning of the movie where the there's a little brother character that's like spying on his sister in the shower and they make it out like that's the grossest most disgusting thing cut to a half an hour later in the movie where they're revealing that her grandfather is also her father (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're like, uh, little brother doesn't seem so bad now. It's all about comparatives, right? Okay, I still don't agree with what he was doing, but uh, fucking weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Weird. So recommend, I guess, is my response to all that. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody else to watch it so I have someone to talk to about it. Yeah. So I know I've seen it, but yeah, again, I remember pretty much nothing about it. I mean it's it's super eighties, it's super weird. Has like an evil like the mom is like an evil stepmom character and I think they they're trying to set it up because then the reveal will be like, oh she hates the daughter because the daughter's the product of this incest. But when they're setting her up as like being the evil mom, they're just, just like so ridiculously over the top. It's like it's revealed that she borrowed one of her grandfather's books for without permission. So the mom goes to the bank and clears out her savings account that she's planning to use to go away to school. Like, what? That seems like an overreaction and completely inappropriate. Not to mention, why did the bank let you have that money if it was in her bank account? It's She's got a real simple case she can raise against this bank for handing over her funds to somebody unauthorized anyway. <laughs> so, stuff like that that just throws you for a loop when you're watching that. Hmm. I have um, to rewatch that at some point. Yeah. Now's the time of year to do it. You don't do it now, you're going to have to wait a whole year before you get a chance. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Did you watch anything else? Uh, the last thing I watched was the movie Dead End from 2003. You guys mm-hmm. seen this one? I have not, but it's been on my list to watch ever since Tony and Ted caught, talked about it on horror, yeah. etc. Well, that must have been a long time ago. Um, it was. Yeah, it, I've, I've owned this one since 03. I think it was literally one of those ones where I went in and it was like a dollar more to buy it from Blockbuster than it was to rent it, so I just bought it. <laughs> Watched it once and put it on my shelf, and I'm like, I should revisit that, because it takes place at Christmas time. It's a, it's The basic plot is there's a family driving to Christmas Eve dinner. Um, so it's mom, dad, teenage son, adult daughter and adult daughter's boyfriend they're driving down some side road for no good reason and basically they keep having reasons to stop the first time they stop it's because they see this woman standing on the side of the road they want to check if she's okay and every time they stop basically somebody ends up getting killed off and after they're killed off there's like a hearse that drives off and you can see the person like in the back window like it almost looks like they're being kidnapped and this just sort of keeps happening over and over again. Um, so it sounds like pretty typical straight to DVD horror movie stuff until you factor in that the mom and dad are played by Ray Wise and Lin Shay. So there you go. Now it's an awesome movie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so picture the picture this partway through the movie, uh, a certain character dies and that pushes Lin Shay over the edge. So she loses her fucking mind. So we get her. You've got Ray Wise driving a car. You've got the daughter who's supposed to be like a psychologist or something sitting there. And then you've got Lin Shay in the backseat who's gone completely berserk. Doing things like eating an entire pie from scratch because <laughs> she's got the munchies. 
um, make, either making up stories or telling true stories about how the teenage son wasn't actually Ray Wise's kid. I don't know. I have no idea if it's supposed to be a true story or if she's supposed to have gone nuts and made it up. But it's all that's happening. At one point, she starts claiming she can see dead people in the trees. So she's like, wait, if the dead are coming back to life, we should probably get get our son out of the back there. He's probably really uncomfortable because <laughs> he's got the body in the trunk. And I'm just like, ah, that's fantastic. And it's super fun to watch. Um... And it, it does like a bunch of weird twists at the end to give you like a, a complete twist ending type thing, um, which isn't the best. I think maybe it was, it was maybe them thinking they're a little more clever than they were, or possibly just the fact that there have been, I've seen so many movies with so many twist endings that I can kind of see things coming now. I'm not sure, yeah. but the, the journey to get to that twist ending is so worth it. Um, to watch these people it's the atmosphere is like reasonably creepy except then Ray Wise and Richard are there just doing their thing that you would expect them to do as a married couple so that one's definitely one I'd recommend it's not really a Christmas movie so you don't have to watch it this time of year but it is set on Christmas Eve so hmm. it's the uh, that's the premise and they do use they do have some great moments where they just delve into the Christmas gifts that they've brought with them, and it turns out they've got some really convenient stuff that they happen to be have wrapped up in the back seat of their car when they need it, um, which I thought was kind of entertaining and fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, give that one a watch. Maybe, just, maybe this Christmas I'll uh, just Christmas do it. Season, I'll, I'll just finally dive in. Man, just, you could watch it like tomorrow or something because it's Christmas season now. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe by next episode I'll be talking about it. We'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So that's it for me. That's all I got through. Um, well, one last thing that I forgot about that Noah would probably be interested in. Doug, not so much. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I watched the uh, annual uh, Arrowverse crossover on CW. Yeah. Which this season was... Uh, um, called Elseworlds and somebody is messing with reality and fucked up some weird things so that Barry Allen and Oliver Queen actually switch identities which of course causes them for reasons to cross over to uh, Supergirl and uh, try to solve this and, and they let Superman in on the fun this season so the Superman from Supergirl actually got to uh, take part in it. Uh, and the fucked up thing is... they brought is, in a 90s Flash too, right? They did. He was not in it nearly as much as I wanted uh, him to be. But it made it seem like he was, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And then he's in like two scenes and this is also, across three episodes. It was also how they were planning on introducing Batwoman, correct? Uh, it is. Nice. And there's, I mean, she's only in like one, like half of one episode of the crossover. But, um, you know, it's good. I know that she's supposed to be around more, possibly getting her own show. So hopefully we'll see more of her. Um, interesting thing is when they cut to Supergirl's Earth in the first episode, they're on the Kent farm. 
and the theme song from Smallville starts playing. That. And they use the exact same Kent Farm from Smallville. So I was like, what the fuck? They're fucking bringing in Smallville for this? And then it's just, no, nah, we're just. We're just doing this little fun little nod to Smallville. Oh. Using the same location and the theme song. I thought, for a second, I thought you were going to say Smallville Superman shows up. I was going to be like, oh, no. neat. It was a nice nod, but I, it, it, it was like, ah, oh, fuck you for playing with my emotions. Uh, but there, the story is revolved around this... Uh, this guy who's a monitor, who is a comic book fans will know what the monitors are. Yeah. And he is, turns out he's testing multiple heroes for multiple universes to prepare them for something that they don't know what yet. I'm guessing it's it, the anti-monitor. Well, <laughs> we get to the end of the last episode and I was like, huh, well, that was all right. I mean, it wasn't the greatest crossover. It wasn't the worst. But uh, I think it was better than last year's with the aliens or whatever. But, you know, it wasn't bad. And I'm like, yeah, but that sets up pretty well. And then, of course, across the screen, coming in 2019, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I was like, oh, fuck, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. So they've announced their crossover a full year in advance of what it's going to be next year. So. We'll see. Yeah, Hopefully the, they do the question job. is, do you think they're going to go full Crisis on Infinite Earths? Because, I mean, you that mean comic book... I was going to say, that comic book series was like, hey, let's take all the big people and let's just fucking kill them all. <laughs> no, but I'm wondering if they're going to use it to combine all the shows into one reality. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it was to get rid of all the different dimensions. Yeah. And if they're planning on bringing in uh, Supergirl, maybe they could use it as an excuse to uh, link uh, Black Dynamite in. Or Black Dynamite, Black Lightning. Well, Black Lightning, Black Dynamite would be amazing if you got linked in, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That one's been the most separate from all of them so far because. It's like a completely different creative team running it, so they've kind of been like, "Yeah, we're doing our own thing. We don't want to, we don't want to cross over." Well, once again, I get, I get what they're doing because they're trying to be sensitive to the nature of the show. Mm-hmm. But you can still do crossover stuff. Come on now. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, crossover is fun. It's set up crisis, so I'm I'm excited to see where that goes next year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm way behind on on the actual like episodes of the show, so I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna watch the crossover because that's the most exciting part of the year is the crossover." To which they even make fun of. At some point, Supergirl's like, "This seems like almost like an annual thing now," and Barry's like, "I hope not." Right. Did uh, did everybody's favorite um, conspiracy theory happen? Did Diggle show up as a Green Lantern? Uh, no, but uh, he did not show up as a Green Lantern. But '90s Flash does show up, and he sees him, and he's like, "Oh, John, I, I didn't recognize you without your ring. Things must be different here." 
And he just <laughs> Diggle looks confused and then they just move on and that's about it. <laughs> so they reference it, but yeah. Although you know what? Maybe crisis. That's what they're gonna be like. Nope, he's John Stewart now. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. That would be good. Do you think fans would be mad? Where they're like, no, we're completely rewriting continuity. Crisis on infinite. <laughs> Crisis, bitches. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, we decided we needed a Mark Hamill cross or Mark Hamill crossover. See, I'm talking crossovers. Mark Hamill double feature, but we decided that wasn't good enough. So we decided, what if we make it a Mark Hamill John Carpenter double feature? And everybody said yes. Uh, so we're going to be talking about John Carpenter's body bags and then John Carpenter's remake of Village of the Damned. So lots of Mark Hamill, lots of John Carpenter. Should be fun. And more, uh, what's his face? Robert uh, Carradine. Yeah. <laughs> the tie back Alley in there. Yes, Kirstie Alley. Some Christopher Reeve. Yep. Some uh, Superman crossover? See? Yeah. Seriously, though, Robert Carradine shares 50% of his DNA at least with David Carradine. (laughs) 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 You can never move past this, Noah. Genetics is a strange fucking thing. It just doesn't. Like, I don't understand it. But you think there's a good gene for, like, charisma and acting ability? I don't. I think there are genes for, like, what just you his looks look like and your general personality and I just I if if somebody showed you a picture of David Carradine and Robert Carradine and said these two are related you'd go no they aren't <laughs> that's not that's not true one of them knows kung fu and the obvi- obviously yeah. the other one's just a giant nerd come on they're not related I mean Jesus Christ. Look at Robert Carradine. Do you think he could survive a death race? I don't think so. <laughs> Does anybody know, like, do they have the same, like, both the same parents? <laughs> yeah, no, I think both of their parents is John Carradine. Back, but... I, I don't know who their mom is. It is yeah. a shocking turn of events. I don't know at all. <laughs> No, I mean, I figured they were both John Carradine's son. I'm just wondering if he had, they had different moms or sort of what the situation is. Even if they grew up in separate houses, depending on, you know, if there's divorces involved, because that could explain some of the uh, different personalities and whatnot. I'm just saying, I don't know. Try to, try to put in your head either one in one of the other one's movies. <laughs> Try to, try to put David Carradine into Revenge of the Nerds. All I see is him walking around and like saying mean things to the nerds and then like slapping them and walking into another room. I don't know. He can give them the Superman speech from Kill Bill. Maybe they'd understand it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.